Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Matthew Bogdanos was sitting at his desk one day in the late spring of 2018 when an email pinged into his inbox. To his surprise, it was an image of Kim Kardashian at a party. Kim Kardashian is not my thing. So what is Bogdanos's thing? Antiquities. He's a legend in that world. Bogdanos is an assistant district attorney in Manhattan and head of the Antiquities Trafficking Unit. But he's not only a crime-fighting prosecutor, he's also a marine colonel, a classic scholar, and a middleweight boxer. He's the kind of guy who quotes Plato and Sophocles in conversation. But photographs of this particular gala went, and I can't believe I'm using this word in the world of antiquities, went viral. This picture wasn't just snapped at any old party. It was taken at the Met Gala, probably the most glamorous party in America. It's been called the East Coast Oscars and has a celebrity red carpet that rivals any in the world. And that day was no different. Celebs like Beyonce and Amal Clooney ascended the magnificent steps of the museum and headed down the darkened halls of the Egyptian wing. You have these towering monumental sculptures, hieroglyphics. You get to walk through there. Andrew Goldstein is the editor-in-chief of Artnet, a leading art publication in New York. It really feels like you are being transported to another time and another, another universe. For one star-studded night every year, these ancient ruins become a celebrity playground. Worlds collide. And there, in the photograph, in ADA Bogdanos' inbox, was that clash of civilizations in full colour. He took a closer look. It showed Kim Kardashian in figure-hugging gold Versace, posing beside another glittering icon. This one, an Egyptian antiquity, the golden coffin of Nejamunk. Kim Kardashian may not be Matthew Bogdanos' cup of tea, but Egyptian antiquities definitely are. And this one shone with freshly restored gold leaf. His painted face had a bemused expression, eyebrows raised as if mildly surprised by the surroundings in which it found itself awake for the first time since it was buried 2,000 years ago. The sender of this email also got Bogdanos' attention. Any good investigation is only good as your informants. 
an individual contacted an individual who contacted one of my informants who contacted me to tell me this story. The story was this, the golden coffin of Nedja Monk, an antiquity showcased in the world-famous Egyptian collection at the Metropolitan Museum of Art and shared across the world on Instagram, had been stolen from Egypt in 2011. He should know, the informant said, because he'd spoken directly to one of the looters. I know it's a cliché, but it's a cliché because it's true. There's no honour among thieves. This particular thief had been double-crossed by his partners. After digging up the coffin and smuggling it out of Egypt, he'd been told by one of the middlemen that it was still waiting to go to market. But there it was in its new home in the Met, surrounded by celebs. So it had clearly been sold, and the thief had not been paid. For Bogdanos, this photo was far more than Instagram fodder. It was a breakthrough. He'd been tracking a shadowy global antiquities ring for over five years. And this single tip-off gave him what he needed to blow it wide open. Hi, I'm Ben Lewis. Welcome to Art Bust, scandalous stories of the art world. I've been writing and making films about art for over 20 years. The art world isn't just high culture, big money and creative genius. In this series, we uncover the ugliest crimes, the biggest scandals and the murky in between. And today's story? Well, it's quite a caper. An Egyptian coffin looted during the Arab Spring. A suspicious criminal network trafficking stolen antiquities around the world. And the Manhattan prosecutor determined to stop them in their tracks. Historically, antiquities trafficking hasn't been a priority for law enforcement. But international events have pushed it further up the agenda. Over the last decades, events like the war in Iraq and the Arab Spring destabilized the Middle East. Nations no longer have the resources to protect their cultural heritage. Those ancient cities, half submerged in sand, with their crumbling temples, toppled statues and undiscovered burial chambers. And it's become easier for looters to do their work. We have found that geopolitical events tend to be followed by a glut of antiquities on the market from that region. Wherever there are wars and revolution, a flood of illegally looted antiquities will follow. And what's more, the Department of State has drawn a clear line between the looting of antiquities in the Middle East and the funding of terror organizations like ISIS and Al-Qaeda. Where does antiquities fall in the larger scheme of global criminality? Well, it's up there. It's certainly in the top five, along with weapons and drugs trafficking and international organized crime. ADA Bogdanos learned this firsthand. After 9-11, he took a leave from his job prosecuting homicides at the district attorney's office and deployed to Iraq as a colonel in the Marines. 
He was part of a counter-terrorism team. In 2003, he arrived in Baghdad behind the first American tanks. He was shocked to see giant artillery holes in the walls of the Iraq Museum, home to the finest collection of Mesopotamian antiquities in the world. Thousands of those antiquities had been looted. The museum's destruction was widely covered in the media, stirring international outrage. Bogdanos knew what he had to do. On the spot, he lobbied his superiors to put him in charge of securing and investigating the Iraq Museum. Not only did he investigate, he moved in. He spent his entire tour, nine months, sleeping on the floor of the museum library. And by day, he probed his surroundings like any crime scene in Manhattan. He catalogued 15,000 missing items. And then he worked every angle, from forensic analysis to pounding the pavement, in order to get them back. He succeeded in recovering thousands of stolen artefacts, one precious object at a time. And in the process, he found his calling. These are not just pieces of cracked alabaster with funny writing on them. They are shared parts of our cultural heritage, of the cultural heritage of all humanity. I mean, this stuff is extraordinary, and to be in the presence of the product, the creation of these civilizations, these storied civilizations that I had read about growing up is just a, a humbling honor. Colonel Bogdanos finished active duty in 2010 and went back to the DA's office, but he couldn't shake off his wartime experiences. So when I came back to the district attorneys after my last tour overseas in Afghanistan, I began really almost on the side, if you will, investigating antiquities trafficking in New York. ADA Bogdanov was back prosecuting homicides, but his side hustle was tracking down antiquities. One of the real eye-openers was that I found that the criminality that was taking place in New York resembled in many respects the criminality that I was seeing in downtown Baghdad or in the streets of Kabul or, you know, in the back alleys of Beirut and Amman. With the blessing of his boss, District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr., ADA Bogdanos set up the Antiquities Trafficking Unit in 2012. Alongside our analysts with their advanced degrees, we have the grit and determination and street smarts of New York City detectives and Homeland Security agents who just get it who just fundamentally, deep in their core, understand what we're doing. We're exposing the illegal trade for what it is. A bunch of criminals who just happen to be in nice suits and have a lot of money. But it doesn't change the fundamental character of the trade, and that is that it's a global criminal enterprise that is looting the heritage of entire nations. And for far too long, it has been viewed in some circles as a victimless crime. In 2013, a new criminal gang caught Bogdanos's attention. 
we began hearing rumblings about this ring that was operating out of Germany and heavily looting Egypt. Bogdanos and his team started investigating. They ran a sophisticated electronic surveillance operation to track the smugglers, seizing emails and text messages. It all pointed to a global multi-million dollar trade in stolen objects. We had information that some of the pieces were being trafficked to New York, but we had no concrete evidence on any single individual pieces. Bogdanos could watch, listen and learn, but in order to act, he needed proof of a crime taking place in New York. After five years of watching and waiting, that proof arrived in his inbox. That paparazzi pic of Kim Kardashian and the Golden Coffin, sent to Bogdanos by his informant. To back up the assertion that the Golden Coffin had been looted, the informant also sent six other photos that showed the coffin covered in mud and not golden at all. In fact, it was so dirty, it was hard to tell what it was because the photos were taken just moments after the coffin was dug out of the ground. So as we're looking at the photographs, we're saying, God, these look familiar. My goodness, where have we seen these photos before? And that's when you do the brutally painstaking, boring, you know, the investigative work that never gets shown on TV or in the movies, and that is you sit in front of a computer screen for hour after hour after hour until it's 10 o'clock on a Saturday night and you are in your fourth cup of really bad coffee. Then, Eureka! He had seen the photos before. In the emails and text messages his team had already intercepted during their surveillance operation, they had the exact photos of the dirty coffin that the informant had sent Bogdanos. But because the coffin was covered in mud, they didn't recognise it when they saw it again, reincarnated as the Met Gala coffin, all cleaned up. Now they finally had proof that one of the items looted by the smuggling ring they'd been tracking was in New York, just a few blocks uptown. I've been driving up and down Fifth Avenue for a long time and seeing the enormous poster of uh, Nedjamonk on the front of the Met Museum for months. Cy Vance is the district attorney and Bogdanos' boss. You may have heard of him. He's famous for putting Harvey Weinstein behind bars and getting Trump's tax returns. The Met built a big show around their exciting new acquisition called Nedja Monk and his Gilded Coffin. Throughout the summer and fall of 2018, Nedja Monk's golden face was everywhere in New York, smiling from the backs of buses and the tops of cabs. I would marvel at you know, its beauty and how amazing it is. It truly is an amazing piece. It brings to mind the first exhibit I ever saw, the world-famous Tutankhamun show in 1972. King Tut was a global event and my first encounter with an ancient civilization. I remember standing on my tiptoes, staring up at the gleaming sculptures, mummies and sarcophagi in pristine glass cases. I was only six years old, but I swear that something inside me understood the transcendent power of art, its ultimate confirmation of the potential of humans to do great things. This remarkable coffin has the same power. 
It originally contained the mummified remains of a high priest laid to rest 2,000 years ago. It's gilded in gold from top to bottom and decorated with Egyptian gods and elaborate graphic spells for the dead. There's an inscription on the coffin's lid which reads, O gold, O gold, O flesh of the god, O flesh of the god, O fine gold, O fine gold. The ancient Egyptians associated precious metals with the divine, which does make them sound rather close to the Kardashians, doesn't it? I'm Kareem Maddox, and I've been playing basketball since I was four years old. This year, I'm training for the Tokyo Olympics and wondering what it means to be an Olympian. We didn't want to be used as some sort of political tool. And what the Olympics mean to all of us. If one of us can win a goal, then it will mean a lot to the people all over the world. Because the Olympics have always been about more than just sports. I do think that I achieved my greatness here. Subscribe to The Greatness with Kareem Maddox. That's me. Produced by USG Audio and Transmitter Media. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And when I learned that there was an investigation that we were conducting as to whether or not it had been stolen from Egypt, I was like, oh my God. But how did an antiquity looted in Egypt in 2011 end up in the hallowed halls of the Metropolitan Museum of Art? First, you have the actual looters themselves. They tend to be locals, they know the area, they've been looting sometimes for generations. Bogdanos learned that the Golden Coffin had been looted in the Minya region, three hours north of Cairo, along the River Nile. When the tomb robbers dug it up, the mummified remains of Nejamunk were still inside the coffin. They dumped the mummy unceremoniously into the Nile. But in a creepy true crime twist, the mummified finger of Nejamunk was still attached to the inside of the coffin when it arrived in New York. Before we get to New York, though, the coffin still had quite a journey to go. The second skill set is you got to cross borders. So you need smugglers. Now, you might think these smugglers travelled secret routes over mountains, leading their donkeys, or that they drove over borders in a beat-up pickup with a fake floor, or hid the coffin in a shipping container for a long sea journey. But no, sorry, they sent the coffin from the Middle East to Europe using FedEx with a false waybill declaring it a Greco-Roman antique worth just a few thousand dollars. The waybill is just, it's almost as if they're daring us to catch them. The coffin made it through to Germany. So far, so good for the criminals. But there's more to do in order to get the coffin to market. 
that has to come above ground. And in order to come above ground, you need that pivot, that single most important functionary. And that is the dealer. So now we come to the real masterminds. European dealers operating out of places like Hamburg and Paris, who take over from the grave diggers in Egypt. The people that deal in these antiquities with their bespoke suits are capable of the same base criminality as common criminals in the streets of lower Manhattan or the outskirts of Kabul for me. Honestly, they're just the same. They just dress better. According to the DA's investigative report, the first of these shady dealers took delivery of the coffin in Hamburg. He arranged to restore it, both literally and reputationally. He created a clean provenance, a new life story, by forging a fake Egyptian export license that showed the coffin had been legally exported in the 70s. Next, the coffin was shipped to a well-known expert in Egyptian antiquities who worked with one of the top auction houses in Paris. He became the broker for the coffin. He contacted the curators he knew at the Met. He offered them the golden coffin, a rare and beautiful ancient Egyptian antiquity, one that had never been seen before. The most crucial thing that you need to take away from everything I just told you is there was a geopolitical event in Egypt, right? The Arab Spring. And the piece came on the market, an extraordinary piece that is more than 2,000 years old for the first time, never having been previously photographed. Are you kidding me? A neon sign flashing stolen would have been less subtle. It's hard to argue. In the world of antiquities, it would be very unusual for a piece as remarkable as the golden coffin to have never been seen before. The smugglers claimed it had been in Europe since the 70s. So where had it been? Not a single photograph or exhibition in almost 50 years? That's suspicious. Combine that with the common knowledge that whenever there is a geopolitical event, like the Arab Spring, a flood of looted antiquities follow. And the suspicions should be hard to ignore, especially for curators who are supposed to be the best in the world. And that brings us to the final link in the chain, the Metropolitan Museum of Art. There's some debate about whether the Metropolitan Museum of Art is the greatest museum in the world. Andrew Goldstein from Artnet. But there is no question whatsoever that the Met is the greatest museum in the United States, hands down. To use geopolitical terms, it's kind of like a superpower among American museums because it leads through example, it has moral authority. In 2017, dazzled by the sheen of the golden coffin of Nedja Monk, the Met, according to DA Cy Vance, ignored big red flags and agreed to the price of $4 million. But they needed one last thing, proof that the golden coffin had been legally exported from Egypt. Everyone knows that in order to get this out of Egypt, it required a permit. And so uh, they provided a permit to the Met, which the Met accepted. 
Careful inspection, however, shows that they ought not to have been satisfied because the permit itself was issued in May 11th of 1971 and the stamp on the permit was A.R. Egypt, followed by the Arabic words for Arab Republic of Egypt. The problem with that is on May 11th of 1971, when that permit was purportedly issued, the Arab Republic of Egypt did not yet exist. So now it was crystal clear. The coffin was looted and illegally exported from Egypt. The DA knew it, and soon, so would the Met. I think it's fair to say that the Met fully cooperated with our investigation once we had reached out to them. I think it's also fair to say that they'd much rather not have gone through this process where the piece had to be taken from them, as opposed to their identifying early on that there may be something suspicious about this transaction. The Met cooperated fully with the district attorney and weren't charged with any wrongdoing. But they were down one spectacular Egyptian antiquity and a total of $4 million. On February the 15th, 2019, the Met issued a press release. It read, in part, quote, Per the investigative work of the Manhattan District Attorney, the museum has recently learned that it received a false ownership history, fraudulent statements and fake documentation, including a forged 1971 Egyptian export license for the coffin. The Met took the coffin off view this week. End quote. From the marble halls of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the golden coffin of Nedger Monk was shipped downtown to its new temporary home, much less grand, the nondescript offices of the Manhattan District Attorney. Seeing it in our office, on the floor, along with the art experts from Egypt who were poking and prodding it and getting it ready to ship back, it was impressive. Egyptian officials were just so excited. It was almost like they were giddy. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of art, and it is stunning when you're looking at it uh, and, and the gold is just shining and shimmering at you, and everybody in the room pretty much had their jaw dropped, and it was an amazing moment. But it would only live there for a few months. Welcome, everybody. This is a very special day for the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. In the fall of 2019, Sai Vance welcomed Egypt's Foreign Minister, Sameh Hassan Shukri. We are honored to repatriate this remarkable item to the people of Egypt. He was there to take Nedja Monk home. Let me assure you that when I told the President I was coming here, he was uh, full-heartedly supportive of my buying here and wants to convey to you personally his uh, thanks for the efforts that you have undertaken to repatriate this uh, treasure that has uh, been lost to us and now is regained. Thank you uh, once again. Thank you, Thank you. The golden coffin of Nedja Monk was escorted to the airport like a head of state with a full motorcade, lights and sirens and loaded onto a private flight home to Egypt. There, it will be a centerpiece of Cairo's grand new Egyptian museum. For the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, a piece of stolen cultural history was returned to its rightful owner. I told my team members, I said, stop right now. Freeze this moment in time. Look left, look right. 
This is why we do what we do. We do it because of moments like this. And you know what? For every time we succeed, my goodness, we fail a dozen different times. Sure, it was a gold coffin. It's extraordinary. It's, 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 a, it's a legendary work of art. I got it. But it was more what the moment represented. It represented, this is what we do. Enjoy it. Celebrate it. Take five minutes. Now roll up your sleeves and get back to work because what have you done for me lately? And we got another piece tomorrow and another piece after that. Bogdanos isn't finished. Once the coffin was returned, he handed over the full investigative file to his counterparts in Europe. And I'm confident saying there will be more seizures and more prosecutions arising out of this investigation. The Met and its antiquities curators were very lucky, in my view. They've avoided being charged by the DA, and according to the Met's website, the curators who acquired the Golden Coffin are still employed there. There may have been a few slapped wrists, but if so, we don't know, because the Met won't comment. We've reached out several times to request an interview, but no luck. The director of the museum, Max Hollein, did make a public statement, saying that he would personally lead a review of the Met's acquisition policies to, quote, understand what more can be done to prevent such events in the future. You kind of have to always compete. Andrew Goldstein knows how cutthroat and competitive the world of museum acquisitions is. All of these institutions want to be the best, and get the best stuff. So you don't want something to be coming on the market bought away by another institution. It was a really remarkable piece. It's rare, it's visually splendid, it's dripping with gold. You spend your entire life studying this stuff, loving this stuff, traveling the world to see the finest examples, and all of a sudden, one of them falls on your lap. Of course you're gonna fall in love with that thing. Museums should keep their eye on another kind of prize, the legal provenance of the items they acquire, or risk reputational damage, financial loss and legal prosecution. I can't think of another instance where the centerpiece of an exhibition at a major institution had to be pulled mid-show because it was discovered to have been stolen. That would have sent shockwaves through the entire museum industry. And the trickle-down effect? Well, it might make stealing and selling looted antiquities a whole lot harder. On the other hand, prosecutors in Europe have been really slow to bring this case to trial, and smuggler dealers may still find plenty of eager customers among private collectors. The price of a good market is eternal vigilance. I hope that we have convinced everyone, good guy and bad guy, and those in the middle, that we're serious about this. And now that we know how you operate, now that we have the tools necessary to shut you down, it doesn't mean it's going to be today or tomorrow, but it's going to be. We are going to shut you down.
on the next Art Bust, scandalous stories of the art world, a decades-long forgery and the two people at the centre of it all, the charismatic art forger who leached off the talent of his captivating Mark. Even as a novelist, I could not have made the guy up. And the Mark herself, the self-taught artist Clementine Hunter, whose skill and confidence went on to garner her collectors among the likes of Oprah Winfrey and Joan Rivers. I may be prejudiced, but to me, she was the greatest. She still is. This episode was senior produced by Ainsley Vogel and Debbie Pacheco. It was produced by Sarah Winter and myself. Our associate producer is Jacob Lewis. Mixing and sound design by Reza Dyer. Our executive producers are Kathleen Goldhar, Katrina Onstad, Stuart Cox and Jago Lee. Our USG audio team includes Jessica Grimshaw, Josh Block, Jennifer Sears and Daniel Welsh. I'm your host, Ben Lewis. This is an Antica Productions podcast in collaboration with USG Audio. For more information, go to usgaudio.com. Thank you.